We are educated and trained to think that what differentiates us from other animals is our rational capacity. We are rational beings, they say. But will it be so? I don't say this lightly, but I had the opportunity to attend first-hand some meetings in which the attendees, supposed leaders of departments, screamed and insulted each other. So, if we are primarily rational beings, why are there times when we have reactions or actions that aren't easily explained? The explanation is found when we study the function of stress. We must not take humanity and empathy away from leadership. And this weekly show helps you to discover how to be a better leader through insightful conversation. Remember, leadership starts within yourself. I'm your host, Ricardo Castellano, and this is To a More Humane Leadership. Good morning, you all. Good afternoon. Good night. Welcome to this cold January. It's rather cold here in Portugal. And I will try to warm up a little of your day with today's topic. Rational or emotional beings? Which are we? If we are primarily rational beings, as we were taught, why are there times when we have reactions and actions that most of the time we can't see ourselves taking them? We will have a clue if we dig into the cycle of stress and its ways and doings. You see, the stress cycle compresses four phases. The first being the exposure to a stressor. The stressor does not have to be an external event or threat. In fact, many of the stressors of modern days are purely internal, something that is happening only inside our minds. No one can convince me that a water meeting is a life and death situation. But I would love to learn your story. With exposure to the stressor, we enter the second phase, the emotions phase. We will assign meaning to the stressor based on all the emotional baggage from our past. Every single interaction we had in the past will add to this baggage. It doesn't matter if the situations were good or bad. It will sum up. Of course, good moments will be in answers, but bad moments will have their ways as detractors, demotivators, blockers, you name it. And at this moment, our body has already been flooded with the stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. Cortisol increases blood pressure and releases more sugar into the bloodstream, resulting in an energy boost. On the other hand, adrenaline kicks in to stimulate the heartbeat, dilate the airways, relax secondary muscles, and activate the muscles needed for action. This phase is rather easy to identify. You feel your heart racing, you might have cold sweats, your stomach fills in knots, your pupils dilate, your breathing is shallow and fast, and maybe and maybe you have a sudden urge to go to the toilet. During this process, all regenerative activity of the organs is put on standby. So, as you can imagine, it's not an healthy state to be in for a very long time. In fact, the real danger of stress 
is indeed the prolonged exposure to these hormonal states. So, faced with this rush of hormones and emotions, we are forced to make a decision. Whichever decision is taken, we enter the third phase, the reaction phase. This phase is a response to this emotional and hormonal overwhelm. From the first phase until now, we are talking about something almost instantaneous. But a decision was made. We could either fight, flee or freeze. There's no other option. And we will enter the fourth and final phase of this stress cycle. The phase of the behavior. The behavior that we will assume in the face of this stressor. This is where the moments that can't be explained often occur. And remember that we are constantly adding to our emotional baggage. So it is interesting to note that the behaviors we assume, real or real not, enhance our future ability to react in a healthier way to the same, to this same stressor. So how can we stop this process? Many, many people seek refuge in yoga classes or meditation sessions to downscale their stress levels, while others will seek refuge in physical activities that while liberating dopamine will bring feelings of joy and fulfillment. And the right answer should be in the mix, mixing both options. Because the external escape will be essential to go into a better humor space. And you, you don't need that much effort, just break a little sweat and your hormones will do the rest. But this will not teach you to prevent or take new approaches to your stressors. On the other hand, meditation sessions will help you find more headspace. And that additional headspace is essential to think, to reach new levels of understanding why those situations trigger you like a knot gun. So, self-awareness should be a cross-cutting theme for everyone. Everyone. But it is even more pertinent, a pertinent topic for those in a position to set an example, for those who are leading people. Working on self-awareness allows us to understand our emotions better and why we have them at certain times. We can break the cycle and assume new reactions or behaviors with this knowledge. So, when facing a stressor, our brain starts to take care of the situation automatically, not rationally. It's all emotionally. The thalamus distributes the information to the cortex and amygdala, and this distribution happens at the same time. But our cortex takes its time to rationalize the information. It needs time to bring all the logic, to create rationality in what's happening. On the other hand, the amygdala, faster and always ready to step into the action, will make us react emotionally and almost instantly. If we want to be more rational, it is essential to understand what is happening. The thoughts we have on the verge of a stressful moment. The emotions that flourish when we start having those thoughts. Only in this way can we create mechanisms that allow us to gain time for the cortex to do its work and show us the rationality of this stressor. 
At work, I like to have a small bottle of water with me. So when I know I will have some eaten meeting, I will bring that small bottle of water with me. And when I feel that I'm reaching some emotional state that will make me available to go into an emotional argument, I stop and force myself to go for a sip of water. That small stop will be enough time for my cortex to do its job and it can bring rationality into the mix. It's actually just this small break of time. But quantifying the dimension of the disorder caused by a stressor is always a big question. And not always having these small artifacts to cope with the situation may not always work. That is why I'm a strong proponent that every single one of us should do some therapy work with a mental health professional. And additionally, some coaching work with a certified coach. One will help us learn more about our past to unblock our emotions. And the other to help us add straight on without excuses to the future. Each one of us has a particular emotional baggage, the result of the entire socialization process and the life lived. Each of us has a duty to learn to know ourselves better and to find our own mechanism, even more so if you want to be a dignified leader of people. So what do you think? Are we more emotional or rational beings? If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider subscribing on the platform of your choice to listen podcasts. And why not sharing with a friend or colleague that would be in need of these kind words? I always appreciate the feedback, so don't be shy and please say hi. You can use our website morehumaneleadership.com or Spotify comments section, or you can reach me also using LinkedIn if you search for my name, Ricardo Castellan. I wish you a great week and see you next time. Yours truly, Ricardo Castellan.